First John chapter four, nine through ten. First John chapter four, nine through ten. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. There is much information in this small verse that radiates throughout Scripture. First, God showed his love by sending Jesus into the world as a human being. Second, we reciprocate our love to God by living through Christ. Third, we didn't earn God's love. And fourth, we need Christ's sacrifice to cover our sins so we can truly live. Isn't it amazing the amount of knowledge the Word of God offers? The lesson today is God sent His Son. Where does your knowledge come from? Word of life and walking in the light. So the first point in God sent His Son is where does your knowledge come from? Did you know people don't always seek the knowledge of God in God's Word? There are two ways to learn about God. We can learn about God in His creation. We can look outside and see all the wonderful things that He created. Design of the human body that quite a few of us here have dedicated their life to. The environment and sciences. But learning about creation is no substitute for God's Word. Knowledge of God's creation does not bring eternal life. Knowledge of God's love through His Son, though, can bring eternal life if we choose to obey God in love. But in the world, people have sought to understand God through unapproved means. Ways to understand God that God did not approve of. Even teaching that God never declared what God never declared for eternal life or for Christian living. There's a lot of that teaching going on out there. In fact, what God did not approve is actually one of the major themes that comes out of 1 John. If God didn't approve that means of knowledge, that's not a mean of not means of knowledge we should go for in learning about eternal life. How do we know what we know? How do you know what you know? In other words, what is your source of information? During the time of the apostles, people used a variety of sources for spiritual information. I'm not talking specifically Christians, but the world. Gnosticism, big word, it was a belief system that relied on special knowledge. Special knowledge. You had to be chosen to be, have this special knowledge. It's a system of belief that grew from the amalgamation of various sources. Jewish legalism was part of it. Greek philosophy and Persian mysticism is part of what influenced and developed Gnosticism 
in even the Christian faith. And these beliefs were harmonized. They were made to sound good in gospel teachings. So it was multiple teachings brought together, creating a new teaching. As you can imagine, if you understood the basics of Scripture, unapproved teaching declared as truth from God are not accepted by God. It's just not accepted. One teaching was eat, drink, and be merry, right? For tomorrow you may die, and there's no life after this life. So live it up. Live it up. Well, that teaching to Christians, I hope you would recognize that that would not be approved. But was it taught? Did people believe it? Were there Christians that might have struggled with that? What about the bootstrap method taught in recent generations? We know what that is. Get out there and get your work done. Well, there's nothing wrong with work. But now apply it to your salvation. You've got to earn your way in this life, buddy boy. You better get out there and work it. You better earn your way in the eternal life, boy. You better get out there and work it. That's the bootstrap method. And that doesn't fly in Scripture either. His sacrifice and our acceptance is what is important. Work is an act of love towards God, not an act of earning your salvation. So the bootstrap method, would that be approved by God? It's approved in many other aspects of life, but if we add that or try to harmonize that or bring an amalgamation of that truth built on by other stuff and apply it to Scripture and we would be teaching something that God never approved of. So it's not that far-fetched to see how people, even in the first century, can bring in other thoughts that make sense to them at the moment and apply it to Scripture in such a way that they make it Scripture and they make it truth. But if God never approved it, it's not approved. What is knowledge leading to eternal life? Well, what does Scripture say? Scripture says our source of this knowledge does not come from creation. It does not come from making things up, as 2 Peter talked about myths. But it comes from the apostles. 1 John chapter 1, verse 2. 1 John chapter 1, verse 2. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest to us. Who's the us there? The apostles. The apostles. Chapter 2, verse 5. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. 
Ephesians chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. I should have had this pre-marked. That's okay. Ephesians chapter two, verse, chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me, this is Paul, for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I have written briefly, using this source, that is the apostolic source or the source from the apostles, those approved by God, you begin to see and understand things the way God sees it. You start adding in other sources, this, that, and the other, guess what? It's not going to be the same way as God sees it. So we have to stick to the source that God approved of if we want to see and understand things in the way that God wants us to see it, which is possible because we have the inspired word in front of us. Conversely, when people apply the wrong sources, you get things like Gnosticism, Docetism, Asceticism, and whatever other ism is out there. The apostles' teachings are foundational in walking in the light with God. Any other teaching about Christ comes from the world. The world, as 1 John 4, 5 says, they are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. The world listens to them. Second point, word of life. So we are recipients of God's revealed word. As the Apostle John called it, the word of life, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. But we are constantly bombarded, as those Christians in the first century, with false teachings. We're constantly bombarded. So we must remain steadfast to the correct source of information. This information comes from the apostles and God's inspired word. The word of life. First, Jesus, who is God, became a real human being. Do you realize that was part of the false teaching? That Jesus, as a real human being, was a myth. That's where their Gnosticism, their analogies, their, their, their harmonization led itself toward. And it built and built even over the centuries. First, Jesus was a real human being. He was born. And isn't that an amazing teaching that shows God's love? He was born by a mother who was a virgin. I like how Mary put it. How will this be since I am a virgin? That makes no sense. Luke chapter 1, verses 34. I don't know 
what else would make sense to Mary? Other than the idea that the only way this could happen is if God intervenes and makes it happen. If that doesn't scream the work of God, I don't know what else would. Here's what the angel told Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Luke chapter 1, 35. Mary didn't do this. Nor did Joseph, for that matter. Only God could do this. Jesus grew in stature. And he grew naturally, according to Luke 2.52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. But listening to worldly teachings of this time and even in later centuries, Christ, the Spirit of God, took over the body of Jesus. Not that God became flesh in the natural process of things, but that the Spirit of Christ saw this man, Jesus, and says, I'm going to take over that body. And then when he dies on the cross, I'm going to flee from him so I don't have to feel the pain. And there you have Jesus waking up on the cross going, how in the world did I get here? That's where false teaching leads to. You still have the word Jesus in there, but does that make it the gospel? No. Jesus walked on the earth. You see, that's where 1 John comes in. Boom! We have seen him, touched him, heard him, been around him. He was real. He was, in fact, real. We walked with him. We heard him. We know what the Spirit is like. It is real. It is not a fake. It is not a myth. But Christians, people are believing the stuff that's not truth, even in the first century. So this lesson is very combative. We know the truth, and the truth brings life. Anything else is not of the truth. It does not bring life, it brings death. You see, Jesus walked the earth, spreading the word of God. You know, I've said it before, I think he would have made a great doctor. I think he would have made an awesome farmer and rancher. I think he would have made a great administrator. He probably could have taken over Caesar's spot if he wanted to. I think he would have made a great dad. But we needed this word of life, didn't we? He needed to focus on something greater than all the other things that he could have done. He needed to share salvation's message. So the apostles declared Jesus was a real human being who was God. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. That 
which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. He's talking about Jesus. They are. The we, the apostles, the originals saw Jesus, touched Jesus, heard Jesus. Oh, how worldly teachings, even teachings of today, declare the myth of Jesus. The myth that these massive churches are creating so that they can make a populace of believers. It's not a myth. That the story surrounding Jesus, his miracles, his truth, his teachings on salvation are just created by the early church to exag and exaggerated over the centuries. Sadly, there are people who claim Christ and believe that very thing even today. And there's a lot of them. But it is not a myth. Remember what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16? He said this, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Verses 20 and 21. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The apostles were there when Jesus walked the earth. And it wasn't too many decades later, people were saying the opposite more or less. You realize the original apostles had to have been there, according to Acts 1, 21 through 22, from the time of John's baptism until the ascension of Jesus back to heaven. That was a requirement. They had to have seen, touched, and heard him and been around the message to be eyewitnesses. God sent his son. The third point, walking in the light. I really like this picture here on the PowerPoint. A man walking with his staff in his hand and he is walking down at the center of the road. It is noticeable that the light is flowing through the canopy of trees above him. This light illuminates the path and where the man is, and it directs the man toward where he is going. However, all around him is darkness because the canopy of the forest restricts the light. So the man, what does he do? He follows where the light is taking him. Also notice the man is in the center of the path's light. 
He's not getting close to the edge, is he? Where something might grab him, take him into the darkness. He is not taking a chance of leaving the path. He remains steadfast by walking in the light. Listen to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard. Again, talking about the apostles. From him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. You see, God's light is God's teachings. And it is important to share God's message so others can walk the path of light. Unfortunately, there were those who first didn't share God's message. And second, they shared a message they claimed came from God. But if it is not from God's truth, what is it? Darkness. So if you want the straight and narrow, open God's word and be honest with it. And be honest with yourself. Do you really want to follow God through Christ? Or just pretend to? The apostles have fellowship with God. We have to recognize this. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Having fellowship with the apostles' teachings brings about fellowship with God. Who sent the teachings through the apostles to begin with? God. So fellowship with God comes from listening to God's teachings. So in 1 John chapter 1, 5 and following, we have the part that deals with the light and darkness. There's some key phrases as I come closer to finishing up the lesson. One of them is, if we say. This is a word used by John to distinguish those who are making up things, basically. Claiming a truth. If we say. Again, it's a phrase used to point out false teachers. We have fellowship with God while walking in the darkness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. We're liars. Not practitioners of the truth. Remember, walking in darkness is walking off the path of God's light, God's teachings, God's truth. If we say we have no sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. And again, it helps to understand the Gnostic teaching here. For they would say, I'm in flesh. Because I'm in flesh, I have no control over what I do in this life. Therefore, anything I do of a physical nature, whether it's sexual immorality or whatnot, is not against me. Therefore, I have no sin because I spiritualize my life with Christ. And what I do in this life doesn't matter. 
We have no sin, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, if we say, or I can live any way I want to and not responsible for my actions, or I have no need for Jesus' sacrifice. I am self-deceived. There is no truth of God in you. Or if we, they say, 1 John chapter 1, verse 10, we have not sinned. You're saying God is not truthful in his teachings. God's word is not your foundation. You're saying you don't need Jesus. But the word in us is a gift given by God through revelation. It does not come from an ecstatic experience. It does not come from human imagination formed into a myth. And it definitely does not come by ignoring the word of God. How can you understand the word of God if you ignore the word of God? John doesn't say, if we say for the followers of Christ. He says, if we walk. He says, if we confess. 1 John chapter 1, verses 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sins. Verse 9. If we say we have not sinned, that is, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse, and that's a continual cleansing. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are you living a life dedicated to Jesus? Are you following his light, his path? Then you are in fellowship, not only in fellowship with the apostles, but you're in fellowship with God and you're in fellowship with each other who are of the same belief because through the blood of Christ, we have fellowship. And his blood continues to cleanse us from our sins. You see, Jesus came to this earth as God. And he walked. He talked. And he taught. His apostles were real. His miracles were real. His life was real. His death was real. And his ascension is real. And he's really there right now. It's not a myth. John, the apostle, and the others are pouring this out in a world already infested with amalgamation of a whole bunch of different philosophies trying to create a new gospel message. And they're trying to say, it's been given once. And I'm here to proclaim the same message again. You see, God sent His Son. Where does your knowledge come from? Is it the full knowledge through the apostles of Christ? Second point, word of life, comes from God. He is God, and His name is Jesus. The third point, walking in the light. Are you following the path illuminated by God? God's Word and God Himself. These are questions you need to ask yourself. The lesson is yours. If there's any needs this morning, any prayer requests or otherwise, please come forward now as together we stand and sing.